Welcome everyone to the Daredevil Podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he's already prepared and earned to lie in until Daredevil returns. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody. Here to talk season two wrap of Daredevil. We began with a bang and we ended on a cold day in Hell's Kitchen. Pete, as was said many times before, but I think bears mentioning at the top of this uh, review of season two, this look back at season two, this season took the show to places that that improved over the first season, but improved in areas that we weren't complaining about. And I think that, that that's the, the, the miraculous thing about this season is that it got better when it didn't have to. Yeah, there was a, a pronounced noir feel to some of those early episodes. And then as the, uh, the hand plot grew exponentially along with its army, um, took on a real kind of grindhouse uh, style feel. These are mini movies and um, – you know, I, I think we we both very much enjoyed this season because of the unexpected nature of so much of what we saw. Oh, absolutely. And to me, the the highest high of that was the complete surprise and joy that I had uh, seeing that they brought Fisk back uh, for an episode plus a plus a scene. Uh, I think that that probably portends things to come down the line, and we'll talk about uh, the future of the character and the future of uh, the defenders and all of that in a little bit. But uh, just the, the the scope of this season, uh, whether it was the inclusion of Fisk, whether it was the two, three, four minute opening with the, uh, I believe it was a jewel robbery where you're kind of reintroduced to the character who's this this unseen force in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, all the way to the mysticism at the end that they that they doubled down on from the first season. It's it's just a it's a bigger scope this season. Well, you know, we had that excellent hallway take in the second episode of the first season, and from an action standpoint, you think how can we possibly come close to that? And you look at some of the set pieces that we got in this second season. The the third episode, New York's Finest, comes to mind where after this tremendously tense and well-envisioned discussion of uh, you know, their ideals between Daredevil and uh, the Punisher on a rooftop culminating in this gambit, uh, gauntlet, if you will, through... Uh, a building of bikers. Uh, there's chains. There's crazy lighting. Uh, just really, really well done. And then, you know, Castle in the prison, um, you know, several episodes uh, later, Seven Minutes in Heaven, just absolutely wreaking havoc, laying down, covered in blood, and, and then sold out by Wilson Fisk there. Uh, a lot of different flavors within this 13-episode sampling. 
And it, it was also a season that I think really, really struck the tone properly in terms of being included in uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I think from day one, the instinct was always, you know, Coulson and Matt Murdock sit down and have a conversation. And I'm, I'm glad that they have backed off from that. Uh, we still had connections like the Dogs of Hell that we first saw in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, the one where uh, the Asgardian Lorelei comes and, and wrestles with some, uh, some bikers. Uh, we have... Some of the little references here and there to, uh, you know, just to other elements. And it's a nice, it's got that nice, um, nice balance, you know, uh, the, the passing reference to some of the other powered people, to, to the big guy, Luke Cage. And for as much as we want the big payoff, we have to remember that with the movies, it took a while to get to that. And then they go their separate ways and they come back again. Um, and And this season, as you said, Pete, like like any of the TV seasons, they're they're kind of extended, uh, yet smaller scale movies, and and they're following that pattern of just letting letting these connections happen when they need to happen, but keeping the stories kind of focused on the the main subject. You look at the way in which the story, the arc for the second season was unfurled, and we begin with who's who's taking out these gangs that that first brutal massacre of the Irish and the idea that this could be uh, an army taking them out with such military precision. And of course we know as the viewer, this is, this is one guy, this is Frank Castle Um, to his capture, to his trial, to his incarceration and ultimate escape alongside the intrigue of Electra and everything that she brought to the show from the moment she was even hinted at in that first season as a student in Matt's Spanish class, you, you were hoping, you know, okay, well, will we get her that soon? And our cup runneth over Matt to, uh, to employ a, uh, a Christian uh, allegory here. Uh, we got Punisher and Electra in one season, and it worked, and it worked really, really well. So full, total credit to uh, Marco Ramirez and Douglas Petrie, this season's showrunners, who understandably were promoted here and and now have been uh, given the uh, Defenders showrunner title, which uh, you know they're they're hitting the ground running. They're in their writers' room right now. It's it's a season that when you list those things, Pete, it's a reminder at at all that was that was stuffed in there, but it never felt overstuffed. You add to the list of uh, Punisher and Electra. Of course, we get our Fisk moment. We also get the character moments, the character growth uh, from with from and with uh, Matt and uh, and Foggy. And seeing that partnership uh, going from from great success and kind of happy poverty to the show committing in a surprising way uh, to their to their uh, dissolving of the partnership there, um, the great Hogarth cameo, the the extended cameo slash guest starring of uh, Rosario Dawson as uh, Claire the Night Nurse, 
again, if, if you put all this on a list, you'd say, wow, this was this was a busy season where they clearly were paying service to all these different story points, but it never felt that way. It always just felt this is where the story it wants to go on its own power. It didn't. And where bingeable TV has matured over the last four or five seasons, um, you know, things that come exclusively to bingeable platforms like a Netflix or a Hulu or what have you, an Amazon, is the ability to enjoy it at your own pace or to, to shotgun it and made in, in such a way that, yeah, like you said, you lay all those things out that if, oh, all right, so-and-so shows up in this episode, oh, I can't wait to get to it or, you know, to, to just do it, at, you know, at your own pace. You know, you're, you're a saverer. I am not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it can be both things to everybody. And it, I, I wonder to what degree a season like this, uh, how much that bingeable Netflix model uh, is brought into account. I think, for example, that was the case with uh, with how the season opened and you kind of get that seamless uh, recap of what the character can do, what he's all about, that sort of thing. Um, I suspect that they're... they're wisely using each season as an opportunity to pick up new people uh hey this thing is new i don't have to go back and start it because now i'll feel out of the loop what what's this like and you get quickly brought up to speed um but i mean speaking of speed with all these elements in play they they picked up the pace there was the appropriate pace for last season and the notion that we were getting the the Punisher Daredevil showdown season finale quote unquote two three episodes in is is astonishing but it opened up all this all this story room for the trial for the interplay between uh, Frank Castle and his defense team and, and uh, the places that Karen Page was able to go with her experience working for the law and then finding out how easily you could be hired by one of New York's great metropolitan newspapers. Um, <laughs> The, the 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 journalistic complaints uh, that that you've shared, Pete. Aside, tons of trajectory points for for a whole host of characters this season. Yeah, and you think of the the tantalizing things we we still don't have answers for. You know, those first seven episodes that uh, Netflix gave out early um, end with the giant hole, and we still don't have any kind of trajectory there other than they're digging this gigantic hole yeah we have the blood that's being taken out of these seemingly cooperative victims we have the giant urn we have electra going in there at the end uh conceivably still dead um you know there's there's so much that's still possible and it's a question of what carries over to the to the next show you know that we can have jessica jones and then have this and have a character from jessica jones show up and you'll have luke cage come september 30th and then what from daredevil and or jessica jones makes it there if not front loading for iron fist did we see anything that was front loaded for iron fist in this season and then yeah hey there's that eight episode 
Defenders and season two of Jessica Jones and now Punisher. Does Fisk become the heavy in Punisher? Does that casting announcement get made soon? There's just so much possible now. Matt, I I don't think we're going to have a better, better time to be a fan of Marvel TV than right now. (laughs) Definitely agree, particularly since as we're recording this, there is uh, hope, perhaps fading hope, but hope nonetheless for more Agent Carter. And uh, the odds are still with uh, Most Wanted, even though apparently the, there's there's cooling feelings on that. So right now the potential that's in the air between what's uh, potentially going to be brought to series, brought to another season, confirmed for another season, etc., you're right, Pete. Right now is the most that is possible and, and the broadest that we can look. Uh, certainly exciting times and um, and good timing, too, because since we last spoke about Daredevil, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it was announced that the Punisher is getting his own series. Not completely clear when, but you have to start, of course, with the series announcement and uh, and some of the particulars there before you start to do a writer's room and worry about scheduling. And um, we're probably, as you said, I, I think it was in private, Pete. <laughs> it all blurs together with all this Marvel TV, <laughs> but... Uh, probably 18 months away, just as a back of the envelope uh, uh, calculation there. I think so. I, I think it'll occur after um, the Defenders miniseries, if only because they have dates internally that they have to deliver things by that they've set up with Netflix and having just okayed this. However, we had been hearing as far back as New York Comic Con that it was very much something they were interested in. Marvel, Netflix, everybody in terms of producing a solo Punisher uh, series. And this has taken away the bad taste of the Dolph Lundgren movie, the Thomas Jane movie, Any of that stuff that you've now taken two characters in Daredevil and Punisher who have had really middling film efforts and hit genre home runs on, you know, binge full season at once TV tells you where storytelling has come in 2016. And then another character in Jessica Jones that you'd look at the comic and say, how are they ever going to make this on TV? And uh, yeah, let's let's check that off for a second. Peabody, check. Hugo Award nomination, check, check. And you've still got two others coming. You know, what Luke Cage could do at a time of race relation crisis that we're in, in terms of an African-American hero I am super excited for in the midst of election season, Matt, when that's going to drop because that won't be prescient at all. The race relations uh, discussion in this country and then amidst some of the controversy over whitewashing, even within Marvel with the um, uh, Tilda Swanson character coming up in uh, Doctor Strange in November which they reimagine from from an Asian character, we're, we're going to keep it the way it was in the comics and we're going to have um, Iron Fist 
Danny Rand be the character he was, not in a in a need to placate, but in a need to keep it the way it is, and surely to bring in that Far Eastern influence, that mysticism that's going to come with that character. So we've said it before, this this Marvel TV unit is one that uh, has a meta consciousness about it, still knows how to have fun, certainly knows how to deliver thrills. And and as you mentioned, there clearly is this um, this interest for the diversity and, and diversity where it fits. That's not the background of Danny Rand, so it's something that they're not they're not pushing. I don't want to say too far, but they're, they're not taking that to a place that that's not uh, representative of of its origin. Um, still, you just have you know, a ton of diversity, whether it's on the Marvel uh, Netflix side, the Marvel broadcast side on ABC. Um, just just definitely a, a super exciting time. And uh, and I, I guess at this point, people just take take the opportunity to look back at, at season two here in terms of some of the highlights maybe that we haven't discussed so far. One that uh, jumps out at me, Bernthal's performance, man. I mean, there there were episodes where you just really sensed he was he was so locked into that character, so locked into the the reality of the moment that it was just capturing Frank Castle on film, and and John Bernthal wasn't there for a little while. Yeah, and when you consider this season, you think how little dialogue the character had, but what a shadow he casts. Arguably, Matt you know, as big a shadow as, as Wilson Fisk ever did over the course of this show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if not a larger shadow, just by, by virtue of the fact that now we're going to get more, get more Punisher in the future. Um, although you, of course, uh, tantalizingly suggesting that, uh, that uh, we might get more Fisk either there or in defenders. Um, it's, it, it certainly is a ton of potential and, uh, all comes from this uh, this high point this season. What they did in bringing you this second season was realizing what worked so well about the first, the characters, the intrigue, to, to get Madame Gao back, albeit in one scene, but for her to show up and, again, to tantalize us. Well, New York is one of my territories. Okay, I, I want to know more. Um to, to bring a character back from the dead in Master Nobu and to, to have him be a major threat with this faceless, largely faceless army and the backstory of the hand, more Stick and, and Scott Glenn. I mean, the, the, from the first season, Stick is far and away my favorite episode. And the moment he showed up here, and I, I knew he would be showing up uh, in this second season, but to get so much more of him than just the one episode, uh, culminating in him decapitating Nobu and, you know, uh, comforting Maddie at the, uh, the graveside of Electra and his heartbreaking backstory with her, you know, it, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. It's funny, Pete, how you have been drawn to the character of Stick. I, I don't dislike him, but I don't feel that affinity uh, for him that that you do. That said, I do appreciate 
the number of episodes that he was able to be in for this season. Uh, I mean, last season, by and large, his function was just to be flashback dad, you know, to fill in fill in the uh, the spaces between between uh, battling Jack Murdoch is dead and grown up Matt Murdoch is now functioning, uh, you know, functioning freshly minted lawyer. How did we get? get in the middle there how did we get the superpowers oh it, it was stick and he did some training and stuff um the fact that it kind of doubles back on itself there's always this tension with any of these shows where you want to have things be familiar and you want to have things call back but you don't want it to seem like oh the entire world of bad guys only exists in in literally hell's kitchen you know there has to be some sort of larger force or larger connection or whatever it might be um to be able to make things feel big while still circling back to stick is a credit to the production well that pete let's start to look ahead to to the future of daredevil on tv uh i i know that that what's up next uh will be defenders uh the jury is still out uh ironic use of jury there as to whether there's gonna be more of the daredevil show so your thoughts about the future I know that they'd like to do more. I know that Charlie Cox is, you know, it's the nature of these types of contracts is waiting to hear that. But next up on their plate is defenders. And we've introduced three of them. We've seen three of them in person at New York comic con. I can only imagine that this year's New York comic con will feature all four of them coming together. It's going to be a heck of a panel. Um, we will have had, uh, Luke Cage for like two weeks. So I'll be done with it. <laughs> we'll be in the middle of podcasting <laughs> it and um, looking forward to Iron Fist, which I can only imagine we will get at some point in the late uh, winter, early spring next year, uh, probably a little earlier than we've gotten Daredevil. And then it's going to be all right. When, when are the four of them coming together? I would imagine that Iron Fist story will um, you know, dovetail right into whatever they're going to do in the Defenders. And then we know we're going to get Jessica Jones uh, lensing sometime in 2017. Whether that will air in 2017, I think it'd be a safe bet to say um, a little later in the year. Yeah, I mean, tons of potential there. You almost get the sense that Iron Fist is going to be the the Captain America, the first Avenger of of these shows in that I like it. Yeah, I mean, wherever it goes, it's going to have to increasingly bring in that that mysticism, that threat to the city, and all of that. So maybe we even get all four defenders there before uh, before the the whole Iron Fist uh, season is done with. But uh, certainly, tons and tons and tons of of Marvel TV ahead. And you know, it's it's funny that you mention um, the Captain America analogy there being the last one before the the team up movie with the discussion now turning towards what what civil war coming out in you know these united states as we're recording tomorrow uh which is now today that you're listening to this on on thursday oh wait oh pete you're talking about the movie and not <laughs> uh not some other goings on got it go ahead sorry yeah. uh thursday um may uh may 5th there uh what about the idea that 
discussion has come back with the two-part Avengers movie, the Infinity War movies, that they're now openly entertaining Marvel TV being a part of those. So who's to say how sprawling this story can't be with our defenders that they somehow elbow their way in. So much has been made of the character count, how high it is um, with that two-part third Avengers story. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, who makes that cut. Absolutely. Absolutely. You get these briefest of indications that maybe the the distance that's been between Marvel film and Marvel TV, maybe that's starting to be bridged in a way that uh, that keeps all parties involved and all parties happy. Um, so fingers crossed there. Pete, let's let's look ahead, not to the future of Marvel TV, but let's talk uh, the future of Fantastic Geek a little bit here. I know we have we have one goodie that we're still uh, we're not going to talk about quite yet. But uh, let's just kind of lay out the next, uh, at least the next couple of weeks here. If you're listening on the uh, on the Daredevil feed, I guess we will update this feed between now and and the future, uh, just as Daredevil news comes out. Um, if you're listening on the pop culture feed, we'll have all sorts of stuff going on for the rest of the month. Uh, updates for uh, for Agent Carter. That decision will be made probably, not even probably, it will be made in the next ten days. Um, the uh, the May seventeenth uh, date is not just the Agents of Shield finale, but also when uh, ABC presents its schedule to the media or media buyers rather. So probably that Monday night, Monday the sixteenth, is when we we hear for sure about the future of that show, the future of Most Wanted, and um, a- any other scheduling things that might be going on there. At least as as far as abc deals with it if there's the hope that maybe one of those shows like agent carter is gonna gonna maybe get saved by netflix and be part of that whole abc studios presentation there we hear it so it's certainly uh i think there'll be there'll be a lot of updates on the pop culture podcast feed as a lot of that information comes in and shield wraps up and civil war we podcast that and it's it's exciting times yeah and i think um what what works in terms of uh you know how we present it to you if if you're all marvel if you're all in get on that pop culture podcast feed and you're going to get everything that we do uh and then as we know there are people that watch certain marvel tv shows that do not watch others so uh you you don't need to have it all in in terms of accessing it but those who do watch those shows are tremendously faithful so there's a lot of points of entry coming up and some decisions to be made we're 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 hopeful we're guardedly optimistic with uh with some of those decisions but uh doesn't look great in terms of that but uh we'll be updating everything as the news and content warrant Absolutely. And uh, of course, before we officially start to wrap up uh, the podcast for Daredevil Season 2, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who went to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek to help uh, lend a hand with the costs that uh, the podcast uh, uh, has to has to cover as it uh, makes its way from our microphones into your ears. So I uh, want to just uh, tip our hats to everybody once again. Thank you. Tremendous shout out, especially to uh, Mary Kirk donating at uh, the level that she does. Thanks so much. 
Well, that, Pete, the greatest gift of all is, of course, being able to talk to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 7,654 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime for any of this geeky Marvel comics stuff. Well, Pete, we'll even take DC stuff because uh, some of those movies we like too. Uh, it's been a while since the Christopher Reeve movies, but hey, um, we are, of course, Fantastic Geek. That's Fantastic with the PH. And you can find us under that name on the dot com, the Gmail, the Instagram, and the Twitter. And the Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. And that's really been a place where, you know, though Jessica Jones may have come out a bunch of months ago, there are people who are going on there and discussing that. So if Daredevil's your thing, that can be a place for discussion as well. Uh, like it today and uh, it won't go away. Well, that Pete, time to wrap up. The, uh, the Daredevil Season 2 podcast adventure that it's been. So so glad that we've been able to do these 13 episodes here, along with uh, an intro and a, uh, a conclusion here. And uh, it certainly has been quite a ride. Absolutely. Going to miss it. But, uh, you know, I've gone back and, and watched that first season a couple times. It lives on in our hearts, and we can continue to chew this over before we get new Marvel Netflix TV. Take care, one and all, and we will uh, we'll be talking Daredevil soon. See you around, Red. I love the point of you can, the black brain, but last I don't discriminate. I regulate every shade of that. Sprung at your show class and pass my test. Fat breast, highly intelligent. Summer 